Welcome to another episode of the Zenpreneur Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want more money and less stress. The Zenpreneur Podcast is hosted by serial entrepreneur and high-performance coach Mario Lanzarotti. Listen as Mario and his inspiring guests share the insights, strategies, and habits that allow you to grow your business with peace of mind so you can enjoy more wealth and freedom. Learn how to build the mindset and habits you need to find the balance between a successful business and a thriving personal life. And now, here is your host, Mario Lanzarotti. Hello and welcome, my friends. This is your host, Mario Lanzarotti. Welcome to the Zenpreneur Podcast. Today, I have another exciting impactful and very insightful guest with a dynamic career spanning over 17 years solomon timothy stands as a beacon of success in the realms of marketing and sales as the co-founder and ceo of one ims a renowned inbound marketing and sales agency as well as clicks solomon has orchestrated the doubling of businesses revenue through his innovative 2x framework solomon's achievements go beyond numbers He's also a USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestselling author as a testament to his profound knowledge and practical approach. His specialization in lead generation and customer acquisition places him at the forefront of driving growth in competitive markets. And we're going to dive into a conversation where he's going to open up his vault and provide us all the value-driven nuggets. Solomon, welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Mario, for having me. Absolutely. It's an honor. Solomon, tell me, you have this 2x framework for doubling business. And I hear a lot of people talk about doubling business. Grant Cardone talks about 10xing business. Yeah. Tell me, in what way does marketing play a key role in helping people double their business? Absolutely. So the idea about 2x or double or 10x, I, I, I love that. It's basically exponential growth, right? So whether you say 3x or 9x, it doesn't really, the number is not where it's at. It is about exponential growth. Um, so most of the time, what we're doing in our operations, uh, and, and today is what, Friday, salespeople are walking in, marketing people are going to their offices. We're doing this pretty early mm -hmm. in Eastern, uh, Eastern time. So what are they going to do? They're going to do some work that are going to give them some sort of incremental increase. That, that's it. That's, that's what they're taught to do. They're going to look at their month over month, year over year. <laughs> We're about 2% more. And I, I was listening to a, a, a message co conversation in like a, a Zoom call recording because I couldn't go in. And the gentleman was talking about, hey, my sales sequence used to yield 3% reply in 2021 and 2% in 2022, and 1% in 2023. He goes like, is email you know, sequence and cold outreach dead? That was the question. And I'm like, the way we're thinking about it is always incremental, right? He, he was expecting three to go to four, and four to go to five, and five to go to six to make his quota and whatever else. So the reason why we ever had to do that as a marketing company, we had no reason to go and start helping people double, triple, quadruple, but we realized that doing more of the same thing can only result in incremental at best, right? Like at mm. best. So making more of the thing that they've been using to get here is only going to get you incremental results. And if you want to get more than incremental results, like if you are a $100,000 company, I'm just giving this as somebody who started and they made a hundred grand top line revenue. If you made it to 110, you're like, man, that was a lot of work to 110. Like, how do I get to 200,000, right? Like, mm. I want to help that person get to 200,000. The person that's 250, I want to help them get to 500. That is not a 10-year you know, program. Mm. <laughs> so this is why it's important to think differently and, and execute differently than to say, look, I'm going to do, uh, well, I've been doing 100 outreaches a day. I'm going to do 120. Well, it's 20 more. It's not like working out and reps right? Like even in workout, I'm sure you can apply this, but if we do different things, you can get way more, if not exponential results. That's what I'm after. That's what I'm here to talk about. <laughs> That's mm. my life, right? Like it's, how do you do different things? And so our framework, our, our, you know, little blinders that we have on needs to change. Um, the scales need to come off our eyes. 
to think differently. Um, and, and it is hard. You try doing that in an organization, you have teams, you have employees, um, and they're like, no, we're too used to this other thing that you taught us how to do, or you told us that that's what we need to do. They're not going to be happy when you wake up one day and say, guys, we're going to scrap all of this. They'll be like, what? Are you insane? And of course, they're going to label you insane and want to leave work mm. or whatever it is. But you just, like, it's better for them. They'll get twice the salary, yet people don't want to change. Mario, how's that for a starting? Mm. <laughs> Talk to me about the distinction that you just made, right? Practically. Let's just take the the entrepreneur that's at 100K, 150K, and the person is doing the things that everybody's talking about, you know, and they're doing it consistently and they're expecting the quantum leaps. Mm -hmm. But you know, they're doing the activities that they're not supposed to be doing because they just lead to these sure. tiny growth spurts. What are the activities that you yep. see are creating that 2x, 3x, 4x growth. Right, exactly. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a great question. And um, and this is kind of what we're after as well, right? Like we, when we work with clients, when we work with you, so hypothetically, you're, you're, you're an entrepreneur, you're looking to grow. Um, most of the time, they don't look at a marketing agency or a marketing consultant to just make them a billionaire. They're looking to them as like, hey, I don't have time to do this. Um, so like, I'm going to delegate it to you guys, which makes perfect sense. Like that's what most people are after. I don't want to post right. on social media. I mean, that's like, like that is, that is like an example. But they're more, more like, hey, I don't want to work on my, my email nurture program. I don't want to create my own landing page. I don't want to work on my paid search campaign. I do not want to do anything to do with, you know, video content optimization and YouTube, whatever. <laughs> right? Like, mm. the list goes on and on. Um, so the way that we look at it is, again, I think it's very simple. Um, we measure everything. So that's number one. Uh, we measured traffic to our website. We measured leads, not our website, like the client's website, the leads that are coming in. We measure the sources of the leads. Uh, so we try to get like as many, as many tools as possible. So like, so let's think of Tesla. Um, I love this uh, analogy uh, because what Tesla does is you probably know this. Everybody knows this, that if they have a problem, they try to do over the air fixes. <laughs> it's like, uh, don't worry. My door doesn't open. Give me a second. Let me push an update. Give it about 10 seconds, your door is going to open. Like, I was like, how the freak do you do that, right? It's called over the air. So what do they do? Let's really break that down. I'm not a scientist or anything like that. But what they've done is they put about 20 sensors on every piece of everything that they have, right? Like all kinds of sensors. Everything is kind of like connected to their hub or whatever. And then they can take every part of the car and do things to it because they have it measured, right? Like. They have a connection to the thing. The door doesn't just hold on to the car and, and that's how it left the factory. They actually know what the door is doing. They know if the door is open. They want, they want to know how much the door is open. They want to know how fast you slam that door. They want to know everything about that door. And that's how, that's how they are. And, and, and they measure that and they store all of this, right? So if we as a business have people calling in, people emailing us, people visiting our website, they're filling out a form, they're downloading things, watching things, subscribe to our newsletter, and we don't measure anything, how can we actually go push an over-the-air update to fix something? So going back to what should we be doing to get exponential results? First is, do we even track what we have right now? Right, like what's the rhythm of our, right? Like what's the rhythm looking like? And is that trending up or is it trending down? And then we all know the Pareto principle, like 20% of what we do is what's resulting into 80% of our thing. But if we don't know what that 20% is, then we're never going to know. How do we find that out? We got to measure. So we are insanely interested in measurement. And we don't work with the client unless they agree to the way that we like to measure things. Because again, we're not here for incremental results. Most measurement tools out there in the marketplace, they have incorrect measurements. This is another conversation altogether. So if you trust Google Analytics as the like, right, like the all in thing, that's great. But what if Google's double tracking conversions or they're, <laughs> they're doing something else, right? Like if some other tool for that matter. So we really want to make sure we get the measurement down. And then we go dig deeper and deeper and say, hey, what are the trend lines? And then we get deeper and deeper. What's actually, uh, what's correlating any of this? What's causing any of this to happen? So then we can find the signal in a whole bunch of noise. Because again, clients call you 
from an emotional perspective. My business is not growing. I'm no, 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 right? Like, <laughs> it's like a, it's like a therapist. You, you, you want to figure out, okay, great. The business is not growing. Can you tell me more? Is it that you're not getting leads or is it that the leads are not converting into customers? That's another measurement. Or is it that the customers you're closing, are they low profit margin? Are they leaving too fast? That's lifetime value. Does that make sense? You put all that together, they're going to be frustrated that my business is not growing. And so we got to really figure out the signal. And we measure that whole entire thing all the way, if we can, to customer lifetime value. Meaning if we did deliver you a customer, how much is that worth for the next, how many every years they typically work with you? You got to measure that. That's number one. That's such a, it's a, it's a very simple thing that you're portraying. It's nothing like groundbreaking new, but <laughs> I bet a vast majority of people are not doing this. And it's often the simple things in life that we skip because they're not fancy. They're not, you know, spectacular, flashy, yes, flashy exactly. exactly yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> but it's really the simple, you know, quote unquote, boring stuff that mm -hmm. over time leads to the results. I mean, you know, if you want to grow your chest muscles as a man, you know, um, as a woman, obviously it works too, you know, you do push-ups, very simple, right? Yeah. And you do you do right. a 50 or to 100 every day and you do it consistently over time, you will see an increase, uh, an increase in that, you know? And what you're saying is not only is it to measure, but it's to measure the right things. What mm -hmm. would you say, you know, if you're... If you're speaking to an agency owner that's maybe 100 or 200 K and that person really wants to grow, what would you say are some of the things they should absolutely measure? Yeah. So whether it's an agency owner, an entrepreneur, e-commerce, Shopify store, um, any of this, we just, we just try to break it apart. Like it's hard to measure just the customer because the customer is not a, a good indication of how they came there. We, we don't know, right? Like you said, Hey, I made a hundred thousand dollars. Like, great. Like was right. that one client? Then we, you know, so we, yeah, so we want to kind of break that down to like, how many, how many proposals did you give? Okay, great. What's the average, uh, you know, deal size. Then we want to take that further. Like, where did these leads come from? Well, if they're all referral, I have no way to tell you how that happened. There's, it's not a predictable thing. Referrals are predict, not predictable. Uh, nobody usually have a, a referral system, right? Like yeah. every day I'm asking for 10 referrals. Like nobody does that. No, it's like a, a word of mouth. It happens naturally and you and i can't sit here but uh, have a referral system going to make us 10x our business so so then then we want to go further and deeper and say well, if it's not a referral like then how did they come to you that was an organic visitor came to your website fill out the form or was it a somebody who read the blog or podcast right like we're doing a podcast like mm. can you can you tell me more and then you start to get more and more question marks because they don't know that's the reality is that they don't know um, so we kind of just go back and back and find out like, hey, this is how the client came about. And so let's go do more of the thing that we did. How much are you investing in paid search? Because you did get two leads or three three leads that converted into a proposal. Since we don't know where the other seven came from, let's at least extrapolate that and say, let's go spend more money on paid search, specifically on these keywords that worked, right? Um, so yeah, so like it, I'll take that down, take it even further. If you're doing a paid search campaign, somebody who's running, uh, listen to this or watching this, running paid search campaign, um, most of the time they have all the keywords that they're trying to show up for, including the ones that delivered all the conversions bundled together in one budget. Say it's a thousand dollars a week, but it's every keyword, the one that gave all conversions and 99.9% of the ones that didn't convert, all sharing one budget. Mario, what's wrong with that picture? Mm. Do, do you see what I'm saying? They need to put all the ones that converted to about seven hundred and fifty dollars a budget, all the ones that didn't convert, about two hundred and fifty bucks. Because would I mm. want to invest more and more money to get keywords or visitors to our website that hasn't converted? Right? Like, yes, there is theory that you need to go find those keywords, but we are choking the budget of those few that actually has been delivering results by adding all these more and more and more keywords and sharing the budget. So we really need to separate just like there. So so going back to that example of how do I get you more leads? Well, I'm going to give more budget to those keywords 
that give you a whole bunch of conversions. And let's try that next week or next month. Right. See if we doubled it, that's exponential growth. I don't want to just get one more proposal. D did I make you six now? Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Now I have funds to invest even more. And that's just one channel. Does that make sense? That's one channel. We're still, we still don't mm -hmm. know where the seven came from. So again, mm -hmm. more deeper. Our customers get better at tracking once we have these kinds of conversations. They're yeah. more concerned about the source of every deal, not just the lead, because they want to give credit to that source to then tell their team to do more analysis. Go investigate who's our competitors there. See what we can do in YouTube. See what we can do on Instagram. See what we can do on Spotify, whatever it is. Does that make sense? Like, um, of course, like there's a bigger, greater brand uh, thing that's happening in the marketplace, but still, you still have to be very much driven by these little percentages gained that you can get from all these little, little channels. Like, I'm not saying nobody should build a brand, you know, Clorox is Clorox, right? Like, no, I don't, I don't think they're caring about the click-through rate uh, of one little campaign, but the businesses that we're talking about, they're not Clorox. These are uh, companies that are maybe doing 5 million, maybe doing 10 million, doing 20 million, all of them want to be 100 million, 200 million, 300 million. And the only way to do that is putting it on a chart. <laughs> if you can put it on a chart, then we're measuring it right. Does that make sense? 99% yeah. of our problems will get fixed when you can see the problem. See, most entrepreneurs can look at a graph and tell you what's wrong in a heartbeat. What do you tell them to tell you what's wrong with their business? They cannot tell you because it's not on paper. It's not a, it's not a graph. We didn't throw it up on a graph, and therefore, we cannot analyze it. Right. Um, and it's not like we're super smart, you know, Elon Musk, IQ caliber people. Mario, we're not that. The reason we can do things that are exponential in nature is because we really try to get deep into what it is that we're trying to solve. Yeah. Yeah. This is fascinating because this principle of measuring what matters plays hand in hand into personal development. And oh, yeah. If I look into the the number one key to creating breakthrough results in your personal life is awareness. Unless mm. you are aware of what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and, and what you're doing on a consistent basis, you'll never be able to change your behavior. And so you're laying it out pretty simply for business owners to see that you have to measure what matters. And, you know, this is even a reminder for myself. It's something that I'm going to take on to, to measure even more precisely. I have another question for you about what would you recommend someone in the lower six-figure space that wants to double in terms of diversifying or doubling down on lead generation uh, sources? You know, there's people that are... Uh, focused on Twitter, there's some of them focused on Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, YouTube. Would you say double down on one strategy and go all in with that? Or would you say, you know, start also going into other platforms as well? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it really, so I, we'd like to talk to the customers, right? So we don't want to just make that blanket statement because at the end of the day, we don't know what their fears are, their worries are. I mean, um, I'm, I'm not worried about X. Uh, blocking you at you know Twitter, but I am worried mm -hmm. about Facebook. I am worried about uh, Instagram because I've heard more horror stories. Uh, if you put all your eggs in that basket in one surprising day, you don't have your account anymore. I'm I'm going to be like, hey, that's probably not the best place to put you in. Very less worried about that happening on LinkedIn. I'm very less worried about uh, Elon Musk is not going to do that because he's all about, hey, you should share whatever you want to share. But the other right. platforms. They're very much like, hey, we decide whether or not you're going to get anywhere on this platform, right? Um, and we've heard, we know that, and we know what we're dealing with. Uh, but mm. so it really depends on what the core business is. If your core business is all about showing up on Instagram or something along those lines, then we probably want to have another source that could potentially help you uh, if, yeah. for instance, something happens to your Instagram account. Look, yeah. in the, during the pandemic, I, we have hundreds of clients on Facebook would get their ad account shut down for no apparent reason. Like they didn't even do wow. anything. Poor people. Um, and, and, and what I'm saying is that if all they were doing was spending 100 grand on Facebook ads and one day you don't have Facebook ads, that's pretty detrimental to your growth and your business, right? So um, 
I like that uh, diversification approach, but sometimes it's too early because we're spending too little money to begin with. If you're spending $500 on ads, you're not ready to diversify. That's what I'm saying. But if you're spending way more money and you're like, hey, I'm spending all my ad budget and maybe it's all there is is five grand. And and and, and maybe that's a good mm-hmm. sign to say put $1,000 somewhere else. Um, because like I said, I don't know what I don't know, right? So um, I'm... I'm 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 very biased because like I said, I have to deal with the fire when a client gets an ad account shut down. <laughs> Does that make sense? So on mm-hmm. paper, of course, like yeah, you want to make sure that you spend $150,000 on a platform that guru doesn't pick up the phone when you call. Uh, <laughs> they're not consulting no one, right? Like they're making money on YouTube for the views and the likes and the and the, and the thumbs up and the comments. Yeah, they're they're monetized very differently than I am. I'm the guy that worked with a client for eight years. I want to help that person through kind of like a financial advisor through the ups and downs. And so I'm not just thinking out for my best interest. I'm thinking out for the best interest of that customer and the employees and the vendors and everything else that's attached to it. And my name is Solomon. I don't know if you knew that, but there was something about the guy that used to live. His name was Solomon. There's a little bit of wisdom that I have to say, hey, it may not be that great of an idea to put all our eggs in one basket. Does that make sense? And I will let my customer know and make them decide, hey, do you want to put all my money in this one stock or do I want to put some of my money into some other dividend paying stock or maybe some you know, growth, some value, some company that's been increasing their dividends for the last 70 years like Lowe's? Maybe it's up to my client to make that decision. Mm. I like that approach. And, you know, you, you just said that, I don't know if that was an example or a real story that you've been working with a client for eight years. We do. So, we work with clients in long term. Yeah. It's, it's not okay. a, I cannot do exponential overnight, right? Like I can't, like, like you said, with the 200 pushups, you, I'm only a trainer for a month. Look, yeah. I love you, but I'm not going to be able to transform your life in, in 30 days. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we need to be Tell committed. Me- Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> How do you do that? Right? Because a, a lot what I see, um, also in my space, and I've personally gone through this in the beginning where I changed client relationships because I increased my pricing so dramatically that yeah. the people I started out with were just like, dude, we would love to keep working with you, but where you're at right now, it's just not not feasible for us anymore. And so yeah. what would you say are some of the key elements when it comes to retaining clients and building relationships that lead to a thriving lifetime uh, right. cycle of I like, I like to say that lifetime because like I said, our, the numbers that you and I are talking about are uh, not possible, right? It's not ordinary. Um, yeah. I think uh, it really goes back. And I think uh, earlier in our conversation, we talked about serving as opposed to kind of selling. Um, and, and I think that's the fundamental shift. Most organizations are uh, built to chase numbers. Uh, and mm. I say this, I literally listen to earnings call. Like I'm one of those weirdos that enjoy listening to earnings call that nobody even knows how to find the earnings call of Alphabet. You, you tr- tr- yeah, they don't care, right? Like nobody <laughs> wants to listen to the Amazon earnings call. Nobody listens to the Tesla one. But the reason I do that is what are they doing fundamentally? They're chasing numbers. Uh, they're chasing short-term numbers. Now, company like Amazon, very visionary organization, but most of them are, because guess what? The Wall Street is holding a knife and it, or whatever it is, the gun, or you call anything, right? Like it's literally, mm-hmm. they want to know what you're going to do in the next 90 days that's going to move the stock so I can make my clients rich and or make me look good because I was the analyst that predicted two cents <laughs> versus 32 <laughs> cents, like whatever. It's so weird. Um, now, when you go into that, you know, kind of like that mindset, you have salesperson, quota carrying salesperson, who's literally out there just, hey, uh, sending out cold emails or whatever it is, LinkedIn connections. They're not necessarily say, hey, are we a good fit? Should we work together? Could I actually help you? Or is this sort of like a you have a rash and it, like we do fix that, but like we're not, that's not really our business, but we're going to take you anyway. Cause you have a rash. Mm. Like, look at you. Like you don't want that rash. Do you? And the client's like, yeah, sure. I don't want that rash either. But then three months later, there's no rash. Like, Oh, okay. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Right. Like I'm, I'm like the total body makeover guy. I'm like, Hey, you're not happy with your marketing. You're not happy with your sales. You might not be happy with your team. 
you're not happy with your website, you know, you're not happy with where you are in the marketplace. Yeah. You're in an obscure place in your business and you're truly looking for market dominance. And, and, and I can't do that for you if you're not even committed to your own goals. And if you're going to try to do that with eight different companies over the next eight years, good luck. Honestly, good luck. Because there's not going to be any company that's going to care for you as much our company will. And I just know that because I know how hard my team works. And so mm. when our clients join us, we do a, a full body assessment. Like I like this. It's a very much analogy with our body and personal training and everything else. So we look at everything. We look at body mass, <laughs> fat, you know what I mean? <laughs> how much you weigh and everything else. Check the, you know what I mean? The pulse, the mm. button, everything. So we, we're looking at the top of funnel, traffic, rankings. Does it make sense? Like backlinks, competitor yeah. analysis. I'm just kind of giving you what it is. And sometimes as long as two to three phone calls, it takes to even understand what do we need to measure. And then we put together a plan of what we'd like to accomplish. That plan cannot be implemented in 90 days. That's what I'm trying to say. It might take 10 quarters to implement because we do big things right. in one quarter. So, so every right. quarter we're doing something big because we can't implement all of that in one week or one month because our clients are equally busy. They don't have time to tell us all the things that we need to do to fix their business because they're running the business, right? They, they're, they're literally looking the friend, you know, the friend window, making calls, uh, flying right. the plane, whatever direction they need to go to make that thing. So they're telling us, hey, this is where we're trying to go next quarter. What can you do for us? So we're slowly but surely implementing it and measuring the growth, giving them the dashboards that they need to see to make real-time decisions, give us more feedback. We keep giving them hard things, right? Like that's what life is. And you can't do that. First of all, they appreciate us measuring everything. Secondly, they like that we're giving them real-time business like decision-making strategies, looking at the competition that they don't have time to look at, looking at where they're headed, looking at their top line, right? Their funnels and everything else, their, uh, how many leads are coming in. And sometimes the data is ugly. And if you're going to fire your company because the data is ugly, you're firing yourself because it's your data. Like they didn't do anything, <laughs> right? Like, does that make sense? It's your business. Yeah. So you want a company that's actually going to appreciate that that in the midst of bad, you're still sticking together to work together. And that's the kind of relationship. That's why I said, I don't go off, just start selling things because I don't think they're a good fit. I think 99% of the people that reach out to us aren't a good fit. And the reason is they're looking for a marketing company when we're looking for a partnership. That's a, that's such a good point that you're making. You know, there's this, that you're, they're looking for a marketing company. They're looking for somebody yep. to solve like a quick problem. And what yep. you're doing is you're positioning yourself as a long-term partner. And I also really, I really appreciate, makes me also, you know, I'm, I'm having ideas as you're speaking about my own business. And I like that, that whole full body analysis to really check yep. in where is the person at. And, you know, how do you, how can you, as a business owner, really find out how somebody is an optimal fit for what you're offering? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So it's easy to tell they're not a fit than it is to tell they're a fit. So, right. uh, so yeah, so we always do, we always do use that check, right? Like, uh, because uh, quite frankly, I, I have a sales trainer. I've been, been, been sale, getting trained to sell <laughs> since 2018 when I really developed a lot of these knowledges because I've been coached a lot. So, you know, people that talk about personal development and they, they buy two books, they listen, like there's a whole world to personal development. Like if you're not happy with your results, the two books isn't going to get you anywhere. I'll be right. honest with you. Black right. Friday audible is great. I got it too. Um, but <laughs> like, that is, yeah, that is great. Um, and also implementing what you're learning, but, but long story short, going kind of like, you know, getting, getting the success that we're talking about really, really applies. Like, like I said, it's a partnership model you want to know that what we're about to do you both we both feel comfortable about it right like it's it's the it's like you said going back to what's a fit what's not a fit if your heart tells me that i can't help that person i'm i'm not going to i'm not going to take them on as a client but i do know what i'm capable of right like i know what i could do but i don't want to take all that energy and time and power to exert into a, a relationship that i don't think it's going to go anywhere that's when you draw the line say hey um, can you tell me the next three years from now, what, what would success look like? And what my client tells me, I take it to heart. And if I can't do whatever that is, like, I don't think this is going to work. Does that make sense? If they say, I'm going to go global and I'm going to be doing all this. And like, 
I'm going to have a ship. I'm like, okay, like, I don't, I don't think you're real because that's not, yeah, it's not how it works. I'm also the guy that wants exponential growth, but I also don't want dreamers. Does that make sense? I, I, yeah, just don't want dreamers because I want people that are willing to put in the work because it will be hard. I want a client that's willing to fire somebody. Yeah, like, like there could be somebody in your organization that's holding you back. And the CEO needs to know that. But if the CEO is not willing to do that, look, I can't help you because you came to me telling me I can't fix this thing. Maybe your top salesperson that's closing all these big deals is treating all your other salespeople like crap. How's that? That happens in organizations all the time. But that guy gets to stay there because he's the top, top like number one sales rep. Look at him. He's so good. He's the, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have made 75% of our money. Yeah, but he is the reason why all these other guys aren't even willing to try. <laughs> do, do you see what I'm saying? Like all yeah, these totally. kind of things, you know, I have to make sure that it's going to work. And, and I fire clients um, because, like I said, if they're not willing to take, hey, you got to do 200 push-ups. There's a whole lot of love and coaching and nurturing involved in it. And you're not willing to do the work. I can take that same energy and give somebody else exponential results and charge 10 times more. And I would rather go up in my billing than low with somebody that doesn't work. Because you, your results is my case study, right? Like you're my Michelangelo drawing like you hear about. So for me to charge more, I got to deliver amazing results for you. But I want a customer who's willing to do the work. And most entrepreneurs say they are willing to do the work. Except, like I said, they have too many priorities. This is not the number one priority. And I really want to I want to stick to that. So one of the things that we do is we make them hire a person that they can delegate all these orders to to talk to us because we know that the CEO inherently is not the person that we should talk to and don't have the time to talk to us. And then this relationship can go south. And most of the time they say, no, 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 I got time. And I do this myself. So I'm completely, I mean, I, I hire people all the time. But like, I'm like, yes, this is our new initiative. We're going to do that. And then guess what? Two weeks later, you, you, you're like in a conference or you did that. You don't have time, right? So we want to put a Molly, a Lisa, whoever it is in place that you feel comfortable. Tell them what you want to have us know and do. And we share that with us. And every month, maybe we're going to jump on a call with you and Molly or Lisa or whoever it is. And this relationship helps us because, like I said, we don't need you every hour. Uh, we, we need Molly maybe every day for 10 minutes. But we don't want you for 10 minutes, even once a week, if we don't need you. And that's what a CEO should really do anyway. Does that make sense? So if they're not willing to do all that, they're too small, don't have enough budget. There's more issues with that relationship I see coming down the pipeline. It's not worth our energy. What would you say is a very common mindset that you see in people that makes you know this is not. This is a person who's not willing to do the work. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I should be a personal trainer because I would be the best <laughs> personal trainer ever if I knew this. Uh, I think it's most of the time uh, the questions that you ask. It's, uh, it's all. Mm. It all ultimately relates to the questions that we're asking, because because that's really where the essence is. And I want a customer who's willing to tell me the answers to the questions I'm asking. And in a sales person, in a, a prospect relationship, um, Mario, let me ask you this. Whose guard is up really, really high? The person who has stuff to hide. The, the, the prospect, right? Like they don't want to tell you anything because they, they believe that if I tell you how much budget I have, you're going to charge me just $2 under exactly. it. Like they're worried that if I tell you my problems, that they're going to somehow manipulate that answer because the world does that but I'm not that guy, right? Like I, I want to have a relationship where you could tell me the good, bad, and the ugly, and we're both going to be okay with it. And if mm -hmm. I don't, if I ask you questions that literally hit the nail in the head on why you have such a problem, let's call it a no BS approach, then my customer understands my intent very early on in the relationship. And they have a choice to tell me the truth or sugarcoat everything. Oh, everything's great. I eat healthy every day i sleep a perfect eight hours everything's like so great and blissful <laughs> right like that's not reality it's, it just doesn't work like that i want to know like listen solomon i drink a lot of coffee and almost like unhealthy amounts of coffee and i really sleep more than four hours right and then oh my gosh like i'm drained by wednesday look 
Is that going to be a great relationship? I think so. Because why? We're willing to be honest with ourselves. We're willing to, and I'll also tell them like, hey, we're going to have ups and downs. There's going to be a month that you might not be able to get a hold of me because I have like 25 things I'm going to be doing on that month. Are you going to be okay talking to just my teammates or whatever else that month? Are you going to throw a fit because, like I said, I'm unavailable? First of all, I remove myself from all of these things. But, like, I want to know that, too. And then we both agree that, hey, this is the worst that's going to happen. And this is the best that's going to happen. Do those scenarios look like we're not taking advantage of each other? Does that make sense? Like, is that something like a a date, right? Like a marriage, like whatever you tell your spouse before you get married. It's like, hey, there are going to be times that, you know, it's going to be rough. It's not going to be okay. And if you're not mm-hmm. even willing to have that conversation as a salesperson, which by the way, no salesperson is ever supposed to say anything negative because they think like they're going to lose the sale, but you see why they cancel the deal because they never told them upfront what could happen. And it yeah. sort of seemed like unknown. And it's like, I didn't sign up for this. I wanted perfect electricity every day of the week. And every, like, yeah. I've never thought about there's going to be an outage. I'm not yep. interested. Cancel my plan. Well, why? Because we pretended to be something like unreal. Look, if we don't get our package from Amazon in like two hours from ordering, we're frustrated. We're ready to call Amazon and call it quits, cancel our prime membership. That's the consumer we are. But Amazon says, hey, look, I rely on a human being who drives the truck to come to your house. He could have a flat tire. There is a probability that you might not get your thing in two hours. Is that going to be okay? That's what we need to do as a salesperson. And mm. that's when a customer really realizes that we're being real. And that we're not just promising the world to get a sale. And that is why people hate salespeople. See, Hmm. like right there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's not what I try to do. And our team with with open open hands from what I'm from what I'm hearing here. And then it's a very it feels very heartwarming. It feels very truthful, very authentic. And, 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 and I can see why people stay with you for so long. And, you know, in, in my profession, one of the things that I've seen early on when I started, I had people that in the middle of the process, they jumped out because yeah. it was so uncomfortable for them. And I learned over the years to really tell people what to expect to really tell them like, yeah. Hey, you're going to, there's going to be moments in this journey, in this coaching journey where you're going to wish you never started, where you're going to have thoughts is like, this is stupid. Why am I even doing yeah. this? This is so uncomfortable. What's going to happen. It's like all of that will come up. Mm-hmm. And now what happens is it comes up and they're like, Oh I'm, yeah. I remember you telling me that at the very beginning, that's exactly what's happening right now. It's like, great. You know, and I want you to yeah. lean into that. So I, I, I love this approach and I, and I, and I want to dig a little deeper with you, Solomon. I want to find out a little bit more about you, the man Solomon, because oftentimes <laughs> as you just described, people yeah. don't just, you know, they're not just like that by default because the industry teaches different principles, yeah. different values. And so, Tell me a little about your personal development journey. What, did did your approach once look differently? Did you have a day yeah, where you're like, uh, you know what? I absolutely. had a, a wake up moment. What was that like? I know. An epiphany. So I, um, I first of all, I, I'm a I'm a doer. I'm not a, I, I didn't kind of come for, like, I, I'm a, I, I was focused on the fulfillment of our, our agency when I started because I was a self-taught web developer, self-taught SEO, self-taught anything, you know, you name it. Because uh, I went to college for just business development, business like business and, and, and marketing rather than you know anything that we did, right? And there were there's not even digital marketing classes today. Think about 20 years ago. So, um, long story short, I knew that uh, our company needed sales, and I didn't know anything about sales. Uh, we had salespeople, and that's what they did. Salespeople did sales, and I did the work, and everything just worked. Like I was like a naive kid, like oh that's easy, right? You need salespeople. What do salespeople do? I don't know, and I don't care. That's what they do. They do sales. Um, and then and over time, um, every time I went to a sales call because my salespeople were busy, even though I was the CEO, I closed none. And that mean, I bombed every call. They didn't even want to talk to us after. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, how bad am I? I know how to do this thing. I'm so good at it. Can you see? But, but they didn't, didn't even care because I didn't know what I was doing. So um, came around 20, like 16, 18, like our company's growing and um, uh, I happened to stumble upon sales training uh, as a thing. And I was like, sales training, terrible concept. Who invented that? Why would salespeople need to tr- be trained? Because they know how to sell. Like, it's like mm-hmm. silly. Um, 
And um, I was like, and then I started to get a little bit less and less like frightened about this concept. Again, I, I was pitched before, never bought, thinking that we are already doing so good. Why would we need sales training? Let's put money on ads or leads or whatever. Um, but I was like, dude, there is a there is a, a process, a system that I can follow so that I'm not winging every sales conversation, like however the conversation goes. Like, you know, oh, the client asks you how long you've been around. Then I say, we've been around since 2006. How big is your team? Does that make sense? What is your process? Like, it's it's kind of like they're they're evaluating me and I just have to be like the good resume reader and give them all the answers. And then they say, we're going to think it over and we're going to pick three vendors. We're going to do this little magic in the background and we'll tell you if we pick you. Like, that is not sales. That's what I thought. And then I realized that if I'm talking to a customer, a human being that has like a decision-making power, I need to speak to them a, a certain way that that is a professional, a systematic way of doing that. And then once I discovered that, I was like fascinated. I was like literally eating up every sales book and sales everything. I still go to sales uh, sales training conferences where it's for sales trainers, not even for people. Like they're for sales trainers. And I'm like, okay, sign me up. I'm going. <laughs> There's only like a thousand people. Uh, it's not even like, like a big thing. That I took every single account manager in our company. I'm like, if you talk to a customer, you need to go through this. They're like, this is, it's a sales training. I'm not a salesperson. I only, no, no, no. I'm like, Lucy, <laughs> if you want to work here, you're going to have to do this. What do you think? Like that, that fight back, right? I don't understand. This one hour is absolutely wasting my time. I have all these things to do. I'm like, this is going to change your life. Listen, yeah. this job may be the job that you needed in your life to learn how to talk to people for the rest of your life. Because I don't expect Lucy to work with me forever. And I, it's healthy for Lucy to have different experiences in her career, right? Like, right. I'm not here to hold Lucy to myself or whatever that is. But I'm just saying, like, a person needs to understand why this is so important. So I learned that. And that's how I got it kind of, like, literally into sales development up for my own skills. Um, uh, the reason how I learned business management and all that is that when we were uh, growing a uh, Two people, company became five and six or whatever. All of our systems broke. So I signed up for eMyth as a coaching. I paid for executive coaching. Um, and, and all these years, there's not been one year where I have not invested in somebody working with me on a one-on-one -on -one or a group basis or whatever you know basis to help me figure out what I'm bad at. Does that make sense? Help me figure out how I need to be looking at certain things uh, differently. So huge proponent of it. If all these top athletes have one thing down is that they all have a coach because we all have blind spots. We don't know what we look like when we shoot the ball from the back. We only know what we look like from the front, right? Like we don't know how to hit the ball, if we swing. We don't know any of that because we're swinging. We're too busy swinging. We don't know if we're in the right angle or this or that. And somebody who's willing to take that job of me look, looking over me and, and telling me like, hey, do this. I have a person like, like that helps me with content creation, coaching me on content creation. And I have no problem creating content. Like I can make content all day, right? But then they're like, listen, just because you're making content doesn't mean it's good content, Solomon. But I'm like, it's me. All the things I say are good. Like, <laughs> right? Like you ask anybody on Instagram, well, it's the best content ever. Look at that. I just did the best job. Like, no, nobody cares about that topic. You're just making up nonsense. And so, like, <laughs> I needed to hear that so I could invest in making better content. Does yeah. that make sense? Like, every yeah. little thing. So I, I, I invested in systems. I went through EOS. I went through EMIT. I went through uh, Traction. Um, uh, there's another company called Scaling Up. Like, all of this. And to this day, I'm in multiple programs, uh, almost to the point I don't have time to even listen to <laughs> the calls and the recording. I have to do it in the car, right? Like, that, to me, is is where I... Like, I think that's where I learned more of, or of what I know today than being put my, you know what I mean? Put my blinders yeah. on, come to work, email, 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 eight hours a day. Um, and we're just, we just have a job. That's, yeah. that's the sad reality. You're not an entrepreneur. I had to really understand what it means to be an entrepreneur rather than be an entrepreneur who does a job of an employee and call yourself an entrepreneur and think you're going to grow all this stuff. You're not, my friend. I love you, but I had to come to the realization that I'm doing it all wrong. That's not how it's supposed to be. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It's supposed yeah. to be easier, but we're making it harder. 
by doing the job rather than being the entrepreneur. Hmm. <laughs> Tell me, what role does the relationships in your personal life play in your business yeah. life? The reason I ask is because what I often see is that entrepreneurs, they are very extreme in their tendencies. They're like, they, let me go all in with my business until I get to the point where I can go all in into my personal life. And so what I see, you know, and this is why I do the whole Zenpreneur uh, movement, I love that. which is, yeah. is, is I want to turn that around. I want to use personal relationships and well-being as the foundation for high performance and success. So I'm wondering, yeah. What's been your experience with that? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a really 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 uh, good important uh, distinction to be honest. Because I, I used to be the guy, and I have my phone here. I'm just it's not even on airplane mode. Shouldn't it be on airplane mode, right? Like, do you see what I'm saying? In other words, we're giving importance to that. I was doing that as an example. So if somebody calls, uh, here's it's it's like that realtor who's doing a showing and literally goes like, yeah, hey, yeah, this is Mark. How can I help you? I'm like, you're in the <laughs> middle of a showing. Who's yeah. more important, the customer that could make you an extra 20 grand or some dude that called off of a sign asking how much is this house? So in other words, the the relationships in our contractual relationships, like, you know, are your customers, if that's bad, that bleeds into your personal relationships, which are more like lifelong relationship with your wife, your kids, your dad, your mm -hmm. mom, your brother. Does that make sense? Or mm -hmm. whoever it is that is those personal relationships. And vice versa, if that's terrible, it bleeds into the work relationship. So I'm with you on that. You got to really know who to cut off. And I'm okay cutting off if it's my, my, like my siblings, if I, if, if I had to, does that make sense? Because mm -hmm. that could be detrimental to my success. There's more naysayers and people that are going to hold you back than there are going to be people like you and I cheering you on and saying, you know what, Mario, you're made for this brother. You are a winner, dude. You're born to win. You're not going to get that phone call. No one's going to text you saying, did you know you're freaking awesome? And I walk around the office telling people that they're awesome. Just, you're, you're awesome, dude. Thank you. People need to hear that. And the reason I yeah. say that is that's the kind of relationship that I want to have in my, my life. Right? Like, and then also yeah. tell me, by the way, you stink, you know, because maybe you didn't shower today. Like, whatever that <laughs> is, right? Right? Like, Thank you, man. Let me know. I, I didn't know I'm walking around with whatever. Like, I want that. Mm. I really, truly want that in my life. And mm. I do that with the dads that I'm involved in. Does that make sense? The dads, like, I'm mm. looking out for their best. It's like, dude, did you know this little new bakery came out? Um, take your wife there. It's going to be amazing. Seriously, mm. here. Um, and, like, that is the relationship that's going to help me. That's going to bleed into my contractual relationship because that's the kind of joy that I bring into those relationships. So when a customer calls me upset, I understand why they're upset. <laughs> there might be yeah. things going on in their life outside of the contractual relationship, their lifelong relationship that are not going well. Does that make sense? That yeah. bleeds into why they're upset with every vendor and they're just calling to quit or calling to get a concession, budget, discount, whatever it might be. It's like, it's so real. We're not going to be a, a box where when we're at home, we only think about home. Um, as a matter of fact, this is a real true life where I started, when I started my life was all business and no personal. Uh, honestly, like all business, no personal. But today, um, when I go home, if I pick up a call while I have kids and everyone around me, what is more important to me? Mm, that's what, like, think about that. Mm. What am I showing my kids is more important? Right? Yeah. It's really, really hard to practice that as an entrepreneur. Then I'm going to get some email saying, Sam, it's easy for you to say, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm not going to go. As soon as I walk in, I have three kids running. <laughs> one wants me to put her to sleep. The other one wants me to do something else. Like, I am not picking up the call because I have one hour at max that I'm going to hang out with these kids. Like, they're going to go to yeah. sleep by the time they, yeah. like, that's it. So if I'm going to take your call, my friend, uh, basically I don't have an evening with my kids, so I love you, but you're, you can wait when they're all sleeping at 10 o'clock. I'll text you back with whatever you were looking for. Right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and tomorrow yeah. I'll be here for 10 hours. Call me all day. Let's talk about everything. Does that make sense? So it's yeah. really, really, really important. Like, yeah, like we got to prioritize our lifelong. Like that's, that's number one. 
And if that's healthy, man, everything else is so much easier. Honestly. Um, like, <laughs> you also make a really good point about boundaries and getting really clear on, you say, you know, what's most important to you. What I would say is your, your values. And you said something earlier, you said, I would even be willing if I had to, to cut out, you know, my family, yep. my brother, yep. like if it was to the point. And I want to, you know, uh, highlight that a lot of people, myself included for the longest time, feel really guilty about even thinking that. And yeah. I think what you're what you're bringing forward is a really great example because we all have to be really honest with ourselves and what's most important to us in life. What are our top yeah. values in life? And I remember many years ago, I'll never forget this. I had a conversation with a coach and she asked me, what are my top values? And, you know, I, I don't remember exactly what I gave her, but I gave her values that weren't fully accurate. And it, and it came to being that the number one value at the time for me was success. I wanted to yeah. be successful because I was like, yeah, but maybe I should be spending more time with, you know, family and some friends here, but I don't know, somehow it's just not. And then I saw it clearly after she asked me a bunch of questions that I went top value success. And I was like, oh, so it's really not a question about changing it, but it's about owning right. it. It's about owning yeah. yourself. It's about saying, you know what? Yeah, that is the most important thing to in me uh, to my life right now. And you know, later on, it could change. And I think you're giving a really good example. And I want to know, Solomon, what does a day in your life look like? Like, you know, what time do you wake up on a on an yeah. average basis? Do you have a morning <laughs> routine? Do you jump straight into work? Do you have a wind down routine? Yeah. What What does a day look like for you? Yeah, gr great question. Um, I'm going to answer, add something to the, the, the last statement too. Sure. Look, I work a lot, so I don't want anybody to think that I have a perfect eight hour life. So nobody's going to, like I told uh, Brooke, who's in the office, uh, helping me with the studio here, that I was here on Thanksgiving day, which most entrepreneurs aren't. Right. So like, I know mm -hmm. my commitment is, um, I know what I need to do to get to where I'm trying to go. And we were doing some work in our studio and the contractor was available on Thanksgiving. I was like, dude, I'm going to be there. Because you're you're giving me the one day that you have available in a whole 365 day calendar. I'm not gonna be like, oh, let's put it off for New Year's. We gotta get stuff done. So I know what I need to do, and I also know that I, I had three Thanksgivings, not one. So I did the best Thanksgivings, and I got the business <laughs> all good. Yeah, because we have family, right? Like one family, second family, third family. Like that was a lot of Thanksgiving, more than most people. Uh, yet I was able to do the other things. So boundaries, yes, I need to know, but I also, you know bend the boundary depending on what I need to do to, to get to where I'm trying to go, right? That's number one. Uh, from a perspective of the day in the life, I, I, honestly, I, my biggest thing is that when I wake up, I have the most amount of energy. And a lot of people do say like, hey, you shouldn't work out in the morning, go straight to work um, because, you know, blah, blah, blah. You, want, you don't want to be tired at work. But my circumstances are a little different. When I get home, it's all family and kids. And I don't want to be like, oh, I'm going to throw my backpack, go to the gym. And then I don't even see my wife, right? Like, hmm. it's not... It's not what I want to do, but in the morning, the kids go to school and whatever else. So I go for a jog, I work out, um, and uh, I, I forget the, the name of the book, but I think it's uh, Eat Your Frog in the Morning, right? Like that is a, I forget mm. the gentleman's name who wrote the book, but uh, that is the hardest thing for me is to get that gym 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, whatever it is, um, my Peloton, whatever it is, right? Like I have to do something where I'm not feeling guilty, like you said, the 200 push-ups. Anything that I need to do to get that out of my way um, – and then I go to work Then I have, I'm literally hundred percent charged and I get in later because of the traffic. Because like I said, like as hmm. entrepreneurs, I don't ever care about when I come in. It is not my problem when I come in because I'm not the guy that runs the business. My people run the business. So I don't have to show up at any given time. I have to right. show up to my calls and my obligations that I made for myself. Like if I made a nine thirty meeting, I have to show up for that. Does that make sense? I made yeah. a nine o'clock yeah. appointment with you. I got to show up for that. That's it. And then I'm here until five, six o'clock, uh, depending on the day. And then I'm clocked out, right? Like I'm going to be spending time with it. And then uh, obviously like there's issues to deal with. So I do that at, at like a like calm Zen, like nine o'clock or whatever it is. Uh, just get rid of it and move on with my life. But most importantly is I plan my day before and my calendar is completely set. And I don't deviate from that. So I, I have a, one of the tools I use uh, that I recommend for people. It's called Motion. Uh, it's a really cool app um, that did come from Y Combinator. You put in the tool, the task that you want to get done. It puts it in between your calendars, like open spots. 
So if you say I have a 15 minute thing to do, it will move around until you uh, cross that thing off your to-do list. So like I use little hacks like that to be extra, extra, extra productive. Um, as many automations as I can in my life, I have like 10 VAs. Like, so it's literally <laughs> like, how do I not do anything that is day-to-day -day related and I still am mm. stuck in day-to-day, -day, but like, do you get what I'm saying? So that I can yeah. actually do things like this. Because yeah. you asked me a very important question early on. How do you make those exponential leaps? You do the exponential leaps by not doing the thing that gets you incremental uh, you know, increases. So I want exponential leaps for my personal life. And that is not checking email. I know that. And I, and I say this and I, I'm like, I don't care what you guys do with the inbox, but I'm not going to check it. That's not my job. That's your job. Um, so there goes two hours. I just freed up two hours. Like most entrepreneurs that check your email, unless your life is in that email, you're not an entrepreneur. You're doing a job. Like just start differentiating those little things. And that's why you end up getting 10 BAs and you, you feel like you need 10 more because it's just like, ah, I hate it. Right? Mm. Like what you do with this podcast after the podcast is a job. What you do on the podcast is an entrepreneur. You see the difference? Like mm. that's what I want yes. people to know. Yes. Beautiful. That's a powerful answer. I love, I love all the answers that you've given today. Very valuable, very practical, very insight driven. And, you know, as we come to the completion of our conversation, I have one more question that I ask every guest that I really am curious how you're going to answer this. And that is if you could spend an hour of your time with any person dead or yeah. alive, who would it be yeah. and why? Uh, there's so many people. Like I said, I, I, would, I would probably, Elon is my, um, my, my mm. homie. So it would probably be Elon right now. Uh, I would be equally happy to talk to Tim Cook. Honestly, like I would be equally happy to talk to even like Sam Altman, like even though he's, he's doing open AI and I'm not like a big, like, oh yeah, you know, Terminator and broad, like I still want to pick his brains. Like what is he thinking all the time? Right? Like mm. what are the kind of thoughts that you, you deal with? So there's so many entrepreneurs like that come to my mind. I would talk to the CEO of Microsoft. Why did he spend $10 billion? And what's his vision behind that? Like just random questions that it occurs to me. Um, mm. I would talk to the CEO of Adobe. Like all of these are guys that I look, you can talk to all these people. You know what you have to do? Show up to the earnings call. You are talking to them. Mm. <laughs> they're talking to you. They tell you why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, Sundar Pichai at Google, he's literally tells us what is going on with inside Google. It's like, ah, oh, this is cool. I'm talking to you, man. This is amazing. And so the, mm. there's every single one of those leaders, they're a leader because like I said, the best always rises to the top. You got to know that. Just go to the top. Every yeah. one of you like who is listening, you don't belong in the bottom. You don't. I'm being honest. <laughs> mm. So work on yourself until you're freaking at the top and you will yeah. and, and talk to people means different things. You could be a middle manager and be the top, right? Like it's still right. top. You don't have to be the CEO, but just keep rising. Uh, and I think that work that, that literally my, like, you know, how is yours is Zen. I believe the transformation starts from the inside and that's how, how it started for me. Like it never starts from watching a movie. Does that make sense? If you watch a movie and you're transformed, it's because it happened from the inside. So once right. you understand that, like the awareness part you mentioned, like you start rising up, then you don't need anybody to motivate you. I don't wake up and say, let me read three quotes so I can get fired up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I love that. That's a beautiful way to, to end the conversation. And, you know, Solomon, please tell us what's the best way that people can connect with you if they want to learn more about you, if they want to chat with you, if they want to find out more about the 2X that you're uh, creating yeah. with lifelong customers. 100x. Um, it's basically, I have a website, it's timothy.com. My name is spelled uh, more Indian than it is American. It's T-H-I-M-O-T-H-Y, timothy.com. And all of my social handles like S. Timothy, so Solomon Timothy. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Literally, I'm accessible. People can email me. Um, I, I love joining podcasts and interviews like this. I'm trying to give as much wisdom as I can to as many thriving and uh, growth-driven entrepreneurs. That's what, I, what, that's what I like to say. There's people that are growth-driven and they're sort of like coasting through life that's not looking for this kind of information. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> they're happy. Yeah. They're not seeking. They're not searching. Uh, and I like to give as much wisdom as I can. And everything that I paid for, that I paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for, I just want to give it away. 
Yeah, I love that. Solomon, thank you. You've been an awesome guest. I will add all of your links into the show notes. Everybody, make sure that you connect with him. He's a genuine human being. He's a real one. He knows what he's talking about. He's walking the talk. And I look forward to another conversation in the near future. Happy. Thank you so much, Mario. Absolutely. And thank you for being a loyal listener of the Zempreneur podcast. And I will see you on the next episode.